Singe, Singe, Zinga. You're listening to Zinga Network at zinganetwork.com. I was in Paris last week and stopped by for a visit at the studio of American painter Marcus McAllister. So Marcus McAllister is the very first artist that I met in person in Paris. I, I didn't know that. Actually. Yeah. I'd forgotten that. <laughs> Marcus lives in the 11th arrondissement of Paris and has been working in the same studio for about 20 years. A small but cozy space, neatly organized and welcoming. <laughs> I had been here for like, I don't know, maybe two months, and I had just moved into my little Chambre de Bonne in uh, Montmartre, and I knew this woman named Anne. And she was, she kind of took me under her wing a little bit and wanted to introduce me to the people she had met through the expat community. And Grace Teshima was having um, an event to commemorate the, the ninth anniversary of 9-11, which, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but it was like, okay. <laughs> The walls are covered floor to ceiling in Marcus's paintings, sketches, illustrations, inspirations. And Anne explained to me who Grace was and what her role in the in the community has been over all the years. And I thought, you know, this seems like a really interesting person to meet in her big, giant, beautiful flat on Rue des Abbes. And I walked in and you were literally right inside the door and the very first person I met. There's a small jungle of plants by the window, a few paint-splattered chairs to sit on, and usually a fresh pot of tea on offer, his dog Grom happily gnawing on treats at his feet. If in the recording we hear the bone noise, you just say, it's the dog. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hi, Grom. Welcome to Artipus, art you can hear. Artipus talks to Paris-based American painter Marcus McAllister about processes. The process of creating, the process of aging, and the process of leaving home, going on a quest, and becoming who you really are. Marcus's paintings are like internal landscapes, dreamscapes, or, as it says on his website, dream belly paintings. They're archetypes from myth and legend, from the hero's journey, from Jung, from the human experience when we experience quests through interior exploration. And and it may have been one of the first times I was at an event at Grace's place. I don't think it was the first time, but it was one of the first times. Right. So I didn't really know anybody there as well. I think I recall you saying, like, you're the first person I'm speaking English to. (laughs) That could be very true. Because you were, you you had spent your first bunch of years here in Paris only speaking French. Only speaking French. Right. They're made up of softer palettes of reds and blues and greens. Multiple layers of foliage play with imagery from nature and fairy tales of owls or frogs or bears or the occasional wolf. They're populated with brave explorers and fellow journeymen from Marcus's life, sometimes Marcus himself, all floating in different planes in a kind of Eigenlicht, the swirling, foggy space and time between waking and sleep. A kind of wasteland, but a wasteland filled with fragments of dream, memory, discovery. I've been here long enough and felt rooted enough here 
kind of the immigrant status of like oh, this right. is home to like oh I can now kind of pick back up because I so wanted to avoid the expat trap of yeah well I mean that's a, that is a trap it is isn't a trap. it yeah. and and it's um, it it can be a dangerous trap as well because that can make your world like super small, small. right yeah. but yeah so you were right there <laughs> right. and we like instantly <laughs> fell into a conversation and then. Dun dun dun. dun 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 I remember we got stuck because we'd been chatting for a bit and it was a good conversation yeah. and then <laughs> and then the event started and so the event was supposed to be um, you and several other artists mm-hmm. um, who had who were either American or had strong ties to America um, and had stories to tell about how 9-11 had affected them, mm-hmm. it affected you, and affected your art mm-hmm. um, in that moment. Yeah, I remember I brought sketchbooks that were right around the time, what I was working on right around the time right. of 9-11. It happened right. to be, it actually was like just before, just right around then, I did a, a drawing of the tower card right. from the tarot. So right. I saw that to Grace, like, oh, bring those. So right, right, I was right. there with some sketchbooks to show yeah, where you, I was at that time. But the first person to present was this older man who was in the expat community and had been living here for really a long time. Well, right? but living here, triangulating between here and San Francisco and New York, or so it was one of those right. would come for parts of the year. Okay. So it wasn't like a full time. Right. Like, but definitely embedded yep. in the like the sort of older expat, expat community yes, in yes, yes. Paris, and began his presentation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just found out in a recent conversation talking about that uh-huh. party that um, he wasn't he wasn't an artist. He no, just, he was supposed to. He was actually supposed to come just as a guest, and it turned out had said, "Oh, I actually have all this stuff I could bring." Oh, so I just heard the presentation from another viewpoint of how he sort of just sort of glommed on. He inserted himself yep. in the whole thing because yeah, oh, okay. he was originally supposed to just come as a guest and. Right. Then I said, well, I have stuff. And so... Right. He wanted to be heard. (laughs) Yeah. So so he took... So he started speaking, and Grace has had this wonderful old apartment with kind of creaky wooden floors. (laughs) And any time anybody moved and made any kind of sound, from standing to sitting down to whatever it was, the man would stop and be like, I'm speaking. Be quiet. (laughs) I remember the little kid. There was a little kid. Yeah, somebody came in with like a two-year-old. <laughs> Stop that child from moving. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. And we were, we, you and I were sort of stuck together <laughs> in this, in sort of like the corner, terrified. Nobody could move until this guy stopped talking. Yeah. Which and he talked for a long time yep. too. And we, yeah. we went much longer than he was supposed to, and mm-hmm. and it was kind of it was one like that kind of a train wreck sort of thing where. No one knew what to do, and he wasn't paying attention to the signals because he was on his thing. He wanted yeah. to, but remember, it went off onto. It started with nine eleven and stuff, and then it, it, went it on. had nothing to do with nine <laughs> eleven. It, it, it had everything to do with his own personal That's story right, right. and how yeah. he survived a heart attack and, and like all this. Yeah, 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 none of it. It was just. I mean, so this was my introduction to. <laughs> I think every I think in every city in expat communities there's always somebody kind of like this who's on their own like as they're creating their own identity it's it's I don't know how would you say it it's like sort of peculiar to them but kind of detached kind of detached That's, and I think that comes with 
that kind of stuff. Yeah, you get those. They've yeah. kind of detached themselves from without actually integrating into other. And so it's like a... Right. Which can be colorful and fun or it can be... <laughs> right. A hostage situation. A hostage situation. <gasps> so, so uh, for anyone listening to this interview, Marcus and I, our whole friendship, <laughs> as we talk about it with each other, our whole friendship is basically based on a hostage situation. Yep, we were thrown together. That we survived together. Okay. And so we're sort of like... Because yeah, um, it got to be sort of a... Brothers in arms. Yep. Because yeah. we just met and it was a fun conversation. You had just pretty much arrived. I'd been here yeah. for a while, but not really in the expat community. And then yeah. then we kind of saw each other again later. Like, oh, do you remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we survived. Yeah. It was like, who knew that that wouldn't be like a bond? A bond, yeah. Yeah, but it was. Right. Crazy situations. <laughs> yeah, crazy situations. But one of the things that um, I was impressed with when I met you was you, as you said, you brought sketchbooks that mm-hmm. you were using at the time. And you were explaining where the sketchbooks exist for you mm-hmm. in your artwork. Mm-hmm. Would you talk about that a little bit? Also, oh, so sketchbooks I've been doing since fine art school. So I've got 30 years of sketchbook practice where from the get-go, the professors in, and I went to LSU, that's, that's where it started. Okay. Um, so I had professors, really good professors, and they were all like, you got to keep a sketchbook for this class. And I was like, okay. And then I got bit and then I've kept them ever since. So very quickly, before I even left fine art school, I was always keeping the sketchbook with me and then, and not going back as well. So it got to be, from the get-go, this sort of like my nervous system saying, a sketchbook for me is a, I take it and I just fill it up. Mm-hmm. And and now I have, I just started Monday, I just started sketchbook number 117. 117. So 117th sketchbook. How many pages in each? Because the, the sketchbooks that you use so, are all the same. Yeah, the first ones were like, sketchbook I would just get, they were larger, and they were, they, basically they always ended up being like one school year. Mm-hmm. And then after leaving fine art school, where um, are they all the same? They're all the same. Well, that's in this. So and I, how many pages? Well, there are thirty-eight pages because it was in New York that I discovered Sennelier brand sketchbooks that were kind of hard, like good quality. And then I came to mm-hmm. France. That was one of the things when I first came to France. I found the Sennelier home spot. The, okay. Manufacturer. Yeah, the, the, they've got a distributor. they've got a big store in France that they've been since the nineteenth century. So going to is all wood interior. It's like a wonderful place. Cool. And a sketch was actually hard to find in the United States. They don't export them, and so and then I started using those. So it's been you know twenty five years that I've been using the same sketchbook and then do you same s- format and everything. When I met you, you 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 fit the sketchbooks with like a leather strap yep. so you can keep it around yep. your wrist at all time. So that started... Do you still do that? Yep. Look right okay. here. Well, you can't see. Yeah, we so can't see it on You can't the see it, no, but I'm holding it right now. But that's so, a different one. Or you just put a cover on just it. Just put a cover on it. So oh, okay. it's the same book. Okay. The red cover, Sennelier sketchbooks that... Um, and they started, they used to be in, like, when I met you, it would be a, actually it was black denim that I was doing okay. them in. Like, even sewed them myself. Basically, I started this, like, we used to cover books with paper for school. Right. Same sort of principle, but with a strap so that yeah. I could put on my shoulder or put on my hand. And right. now, this is what I do. I just keep it with me. It's a way of going. Oh, I don't right. even have a sack. I've got this. Now, this one in leather, I actually had a partner that was a um, stylist. They got one made for me in leather, oh, and that nice. lasted six years. And then two years ago, it was like taped up, and it was like uh-huh. holding together with spit and a prayer. And I was like, I really need to figure out a place to get a new one. I can't make these myself. And then a woman across the street 
has her leather working shop she opened oh, up. Oh, cool. And I was like, hi, can you make this? So this is the one I've nice. had for two years. Nice. All new. Yeah. So, so it's nice because it's got a black... So it's like a... It's, it is like an American-style high school book jacket, book, yep. book cover, um, but made out of leather with a leather strap that you can put around your shoulder is yep. how long that strap is, exactly. which is really nice. But what I've gotten in the past 20 years is it's long enough to put on my shoulder, but I end up wrapping around my... Right. So people are always like, oh, it's like a philactère, like the Jewish prayer, <laughs> prayer book. <laughs> prayer <yeah>. book. <laughs> kind of. Because when, when I'm out, it's like literally when I, always, when I take the dog out just for a quick walk, uh-huh. when I go out clubbing, if I just, it's I always, always with I you. always, and the thing people are like, well, are you going to draw it? And I was like, no, the whole point of having the cover right, even if I don't have a sack, I've got the sketchbook. The whole point is when I leave the studio, I'm not going to ask myself, oh, am I going to draw or not? It's like, I grab it. Like, like I grab my keys before I leave the door. Right. Like I grab it because, you know, you never know. And I don't want to have to ask myself if I'm going to draw or not. It's there. There, there are times when a week will go by where I'm not really doing anything in the sketchbook. Mm-hmm. But it's there with me. Bing, bing, bing. Right. Keeping me, reminding me to keep my antennas open. And, to, and I also use it to like put down appointments and stuff right. that I grab. And right. so, so it's there. Right. Well, that was the thing that impressed me when I met you is that in learning about all the sketchbooks that you have um, and how integrated that is in your Mm -hmm. life and how it's 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 just a very clear indicator of how much you reside in the creative space Mm -hmm. all the time. And that was one of the things that I also found really interesting is I got to know you better. and, Mm -hmm. And I think when... We first met in 2010, you were still doing your teas every Sunday mm-hmm. and, and having an open atelier, and, mm-hmm. um, and I came and spoke to you a bit more then, I mm-hmm. think, um, and learning about your process and your sort of dedication mm-hmm. to that process and the idea of, like, moving to France, mm-hmm. learning French, getting a job for a little while, but th- with the idea of, like, you're going to support yourself solely through your art, mm-hmm. and you're going to live, like, completely in a creative mm-hmm space 100% of the time which is a very rare thing uh, and it's true the sketchbook is the thing I was talking about it being my lifeline because there's moments when life gets in the way and you're not getting any artwork done I'm not getting artwork done but the sketchbook is there to even mm-hmm. like scritch 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 a little bit between life stuff problems social media and all that sort of distraction uh-huh. but the sketchbook is always there so right. like there was a time when every time I would post a status on Facebook I'd write it in the sketchbook it was a way of like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would for a while. I did that, like literally. I, I really actually, I don't actually post status on Facebook anymore. I generally post artwork. Right. But there's a moment when it was just a joke or a line. I would like put the date and do, 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 do. so then I would find like that kind of Facebook feed was getting integrated into the sketchbook mm-hmm. for a while. Right. And I can go back now because I have thirty years of the sketchbook, and because I don't go back, I can be like, oh, that's when I was there, that's when I was with that person, da, 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 mm-hmm. da, da, and I can follow that out. Right. So I can find the moment, I could find, I could actually point out the exact moment when that was a thing, that my Facebook statuses were right. in the sketchbook, and then they right. sort of slipped away. So, it's like sketchbook memories and sketchbook Facebook memories. memories. Exactly. Um, but, but, but also, just to go back to the idea of the discipline, the creative space, mm-hmm. so even when... Um, I always talk about it being my lifeline because, like, when I'm traveling to the states for shows, mm-hmm. see the family, when I'm just busy, at least the sketchbook is there, so I feel like I've got a lifeline to the studio work, mm-hmm. so that I can be elsewhere and still be like, Poo, you know, kind of in the still be connected. I always imagine myself kind of in space, floating there with the spacesuit on, with the little thing, and then the mothership is the is the, <laughs> the sketchbook. sketchbook. <laughs> 
with it's the studio and the sketchbook is the the whole <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I would think that the studio would be like the mothership. mothership. And so, yeah, the, the sketchbook, sketchbook is your is your lifeline is life to your spacesuit. Yeah, lifeline. Cool. So. Um, how did you come up with this idea for your life? <laughs> like, where did all that come from? Because it's really one. It's it's very disciplined, and you are a very disciplined person and a very disciplined artist. But where in? I mean, you grew up in. Well, I'm from Arkansas. Right, my family's from, from Arkansas, Arkansas, but I grew up on a military basis because my dad was right. in the military. So my first memories are of Germany. Right. Um, I I just recently was talking to somebody about um, uh, another army brat and talking about there is stuff that comes from that about when you interact with people growing sure. up on military. And I know that I when I was ten when my dad left the military, we moved back to Arkansas, and that was actually the hardest move. The first year, I was in fifth grade, and the first semester that fall, mm -hmm. I remember my family being worried that I didn't have any friends. Right. Because I'm, I've always been very gregarious. Mm -hmm. But when I moved back to Arkansas, the family moved to Arkansas, and suddenly I was in Catholic school, Catholic grade school, where everybody known each other from birth, basically. Right, right. And I was used to army base. You know, where every year there was new kids, so we were just going to get together. And suddenly I found myself in this spot where everybody known each other for a long time. And there were a few months, I think I just sat back and observed. Yeah. So, and not in like a terrified way, just like, okay, here I am. <laughs> right, right. So it got really kind of silent. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I think those are the kind of traces that have, the sketchbook idea is a way of rooting. Sure, it's a way of rooting. I, but I, I find it, I mean, I'm imagining that it's also a way of informing the decision to live your life in, in a non-conventional way. Certainly. You know, I mean, I imagine, I don't know Arkansas. I'm not even sure I've actually ever been to Arkansas. But I'm also American. Mm -hmm. I know enough about the American South, right. Catholic school, Arkansas. There's not a lot more I need to put together for that. But so where people are, in, in, in most countries and in most societies, where people are used to conventional mm -hmm. ideas of how life should be. Right. You go to yeah. school, you get your diploma or not, you get a job, you find a partner, you yeah. build a life, you have a yeah, house, yeah. you take your two weeks vacation in the United States. Yeah, and, and and so I would imagine that maybe growing up on army bases would would give you a different perspective of like, you know, there is a different way to live life. Perhaps. I remember I, I, I remember even know. in high school thinking I wanted to go back, well, to Germany, but back to Europe. Mm -hmm. So that was something that was there because it was... I would, I was the one in all the friends, like in high school, right. I was the one that had lived abroad. Right. So, but it also would have been more home in many ways. What would have been? A sense of home. Europe, because you started something, out there. Yeah. Some of my first memories are Germany. So American based in Germany, but... So I don't know how all that works out. It is true. I remember 30th, you know, 30th uh, high school reunion a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. talking to a bunch of friends. And of course, you know, this is, in Little Rock, people are very friendly. They tend to be very tend to be conservative, but there are lots of really evolved, open people. Mm -hmm. People tend to be friendly. I try to explain it here in the state or here in France. You go into these parts of the United States, people are very friendly, and, but even ones that are like much more other, it all tends to be kind of discreet because it's a place where, you know, picket fence, that kind of idea. Right. So things, you have to know where to look to find it. Right. Um, in high school, though, being the one, the idea of Europe, I remember saying at the end of high school, about wanting to be an eccentric millionaire, but I'd settle for being eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, the way I moved to, to France, well, I moved to New York and then moved to France, it was kind of like listening to my gut. Mm -hmm. um, 
a certain courage that comes from family as I've always felt loved and so it could like do, 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 we'll go and see what right. happens right. so um, the sketchbook you know it is something that people notice because I always have it with me mm-hmm. so even in but it's an interesting because even in, in back in Arkansas it was a f- number of years ago 2005 when I had a sketchbook stolen during an open studio event oh. and it, the one I just finished so I put it down for a minute and mm-hmm. I actually saw the person who had taken it it was you know, kind of a, it's a whole story to that but um, never seen it again. Did another sketchbook to replace that one, sort of like right. a replication of from memory of. So uh-huh. it was a really interesting exercise that oh, I don't want to do again. But it was a good, good moment. Um, but one of the really there were a lot of positive effects to that, like the, mm-hmm. the grief process and doing a new one and just processing what that meant and knowing mm-hmm. that somebody had taken a chunk like that. But one of the really interesting positive feedback to that was. Two days after I lost the sketchbook, I was back to the States to see my family. Right. First time to actually do a show in a gallery back in the States, I mean, in, in Louisiana. So it was kind of a, lots of stuff going on, which was good because dealing with the loss of a sketchbook was, oh, but right. I'm, I'm like overwhelmed with those stuff. But in going back to the States, seeing my parents, seeing friends of my parents, telling the story, and they're like, they all even, they showed that they understood what a big deal that was, even more so right. than I realized. So right. getting the feedback of people saying, oh, we know what your sketchbooks are. To be seen, to be heard like that. To other people showing me, like, the, their responses were like, oh, well, somebody just took a sketchbook. They're like, what? Right. The shock and the, like, knowing because they, over time, had seen me always with these sketchbooks. Right. And that knowing how that was kind of not just, like, random little... Right. Well, also sort of respecting your definition of yourself. Right. Respecting how you present yourself in the world and how exactly. you see yourself. And... You know, we all have that struggle at at various points in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how I think I am. This is how people respond to me. Exactly. Yep. Oftentimes there's a clash, clash. And then you meet one person who sees you in the way you think you yep. are. You want to be seen and you're like, that's such amazing <laughs> validation. And that's exactly what that and, was. Right. So losing yeah. the sketchbook opened the door to an amazing validation of a bunch of people because of the loss of the sketchbook were validated the way I w- they, they, they had seen the importance of the sketchbook, the importance right. to me mm-hmm. and to career and what that means. So I was like, oh, it's a lovely yeah. moment. So, yeah. so and then even now, because when I go out, like I'll go out with friends or out clubbing, so I'm dancing and meet somebody and I'm dancing with this sketchbook and they're like, what is this? What is, right. what is that? And it happens all the time. Do and- you seriously not know every single person in <laughs> Paris at this point? No, there's still tons of people I don't know. Uh, there's still tons. I, that's, it's a good thing because there's still more people to meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I don't want to know everybody because there's going to be new ones. No, but I... So I go out and, and like literally strange will be like, what is this? And I'm like, it's my sketchbook. And like, are you going to draw? And like, probably not, but it's right. always there. Yeah. And of course, doing that, some people look at you kind of funny, but it's been years. I've got friends around. They're all like, yeah, he's always got it with him. I've actually done, I've been to like a naturiste, so like apéro where everybody's naked and I've got my sketchbook. And I was like, <laughs> um, Marcus, I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, I've got my sketchbook. <laughs> yeah. That's the way it that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Yeah. People are like, no, you've got to leave that as well with your clothes. I'm like, no. 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 No, because it's, it's like an appendage. Like appendage, exactly. It's not, yeah. this is not. It's not a, an accessory. No, it's it's yeah. more of, you know, like I'm at the point of like, you're not going to take off your wedding ring. So I'm like, you got my sketchbook. It's kind of the similar, oh, it's yeah. actually, like I've called it in French, the estomac onirique, my dream mm-hmm. belly. Because it is like this organ that's always there and right. it helps me 
figure stuff out. Right. Just kind of put stuff in and see what right. goes. Which is also a nice thing, having 30 years of sketchbook where I don't go back to work on old, in stuff, old sketchbooks. Yeah. I can follow stuff. Ideas, right. obsessions. Progressions. Yep, progressions. And, mm-hmm. I would, things when I work on a, a series, I'm always like, oh wait, that's actually the same thing I was doing 10 years ago. And I can find elements. Right. So, right. Which is really lovely to have that externalized memory. Yeah. Because well, we forget so much. We forget. <laughs> we were just talking about um, Yeah, and because a lot of your work is such internal exploration, mm-hmm. it's um, it's one of the things that, for me, your work is, is not typical for the kind of stuff that I tend to be drawn to. Mm-hmm. But when I look at it, I understand it mm-hmm. really clearly for mm-hmm. me. And it's like, it's... And maybe that's why I'm not, it's not typical to what I'm normally drawn to because it's, it's, it's not too distant from what's already inside my own head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a cool thing, yeah. Right? So it's kind of like, yeah, I, I recognize the landscape. Mm-hmm. I recognize the colors, the shadows, the creatures that appear. Mm-hmm. There's often like a lack of um, focal point, of a mm-hmm. single focal point mm-hmm. in that kind of dream mm-hmm. exactly good. scape mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, I already live there. I don't need to see it. <laughs> see, I don't like that, because I've had people come in studio, and they'll talk about a work, and they're like, oh, that makes me think of a dream that I had. And they'll tell me something that has nothing to do with what I'm thinking about. But I right. like the fact that there's a... It provokes right. a reaction, an emotional reaction, that, and we can... I like things to be open enough where people can bring in their stuff. Sure, yeah. That's that with what I... Yeah. my it, With my work, because I like to draw... But I don't want to end up doing illustration. So I right. don't want to illustrate an idea. Right. Which is a lot of struggle for me. Right. I want to transform it. But I don't want to have an idea of what I'm supposed to... I don't want to have a formula of, like, I put this in and then and then do this sure. to it. And as soon as I get something figured out like that... Mm-hmm. Uh, You're not interested in not it. Not interested. So, and I, I see a lot of work, a lot of really interesting work that I love with an artist is, like, spend a lot of time thinking it through. And then it's, like, execution of... So right. a demonstration of an idea, right. and I, I see something I'm getting really excited about. I couldn't do that. I, right. I'd be too bored. I just don't function that way. Right. I need to like out there like scratching away. So I feel like I waste a lot of time scratching away. Well, I mean, I, 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 I away in my sketchbook. I mean, one of the things that I that appeals to me about your work, and one of the things that speaks to me, is the element of time. Mm. That to me is very persistent in all of your pieces, mm. and and it. I haven't visited your studio that consistently over the mm. nine years now that I've known you, mm. um, but I've seen your work consistently because mm. you, because we know each other, etc. Sure. Um, and that's an element I, to me, I always see mm. that sort of fuzzy nature of time. Mm. So Ooh, a, I like that fuzzy nature of time exactly. Yeah. So mm. yeah. So waste a lot of time. I mean, is it wasted? It's just no, time I mean, is time. It's, it's not time wasted. Time. It's just a well, thing. That's something about getting older as well. Realizing that I spend a lot of time in the studio. People are like, oh, you're so prolific. You work a lot. I'm like, oh, I just waste so much time. So objectively, I can look back and I go, okay, with my sketchbooks and with what I do, I get work done. But mm. I'm I'm so aware of the days and days where I'm here, puttering and reading and. Mm-hmm. Floating and looking at stuff, and like I want to work on this. this. I've got lots of ideas, and then to actually mm-hmm. get into particularly the painting. It's like, <sighs> and it just seems like so hard to do. Once I'm in, you yeah. know, then, then there's a moment like, and then I have to eat or sleep or something, and then I'm like, okay, stop, and then I have to re. 
but that but getting used to that idea is like oh it's actually not wasted time that's part of the process right right yeah it's really similar to the way that I write you know mm-hmm. it's like um there's an there's I started making a joke a couple of years ago about like you can tell how good something is by how much procrastination goes into it. Yes. So, <laughs> but the same thing, you know, like I get reluctant to get into certain pieces that I'm writing, especially you know more longer fictional pieces, mm. because I know I'm gonna I'm gonna enter a space mm. that's a little outside of regular time and space. Mm-hmm. And I want to go in there, but it's also a process to go in there. Mm-hmm. I know once I'm in there, I'm very happy, but I also know that that means I'm not connected to other things outside of that right. space. There's a little price that I feel like my soul is paying every right. single time. Yep. And yeah, so it's the same. It's yep. like, you know. Exactly. And I always talk about it, it's, it's almost like being a drug addict where I want to get into my zone because I need that fix. Right. So there's a time period where I'm not actually getting any painting done or we're not even needing any sketchbook. Well, sketchbook is like my gateway drug, apparently. There's nothing else I can be doing that. But I know I need to get in that zone, which is kind of a meditation where I'm in and finding stuff. And my, my thing is because, and that procrastination, I turn around and I need to sit here and like suffer. No, suffer, but I need to get kind of bored. Oh, the dog doesn't like. like this conversation at all. He's like, I want some attention. <laughs> So uh, I like the fact he's going under your chair, like in your skirt, like yes. wiggling around. <laughs> but making himself known. Because I always think about the, what I'm looking for is that moment when I actually get into the work. And I, I like to, it, it, a metaphor that comes to mind is when you go out into the ocean, you go into the water, and you get about chest deep, and then a wave comes in and it picks you up. Right. And then it sets you down another side. It's that moment when the wave comes in and picks you up. So you're still in shallow enough water that you can stand, right. but when a wave comes in, a swell. Right. And it's that moment of getting picked up. That's what I'm looking for in general. Sketchbook work, art, painting, everything. I want that moment of when I get picked up and, and get picked. taken elsewhere. Right. And then when I get back on my feet, I'm like, oh, what was that? Right. And so, also, where am I now? And where am I now? And that's right. what I'm looking for. And that's and when that happens, then I'm like, oh, again. <laughs> yeah, but it's that. I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, even in reality, like... You know, in physical life, when you go into the ocean and you wait for that, not every wave does that. Not every does that. You know, and I wouldn't want to be where I wouldn't have like feet on the ground. I saw Jaws at eight. My mother took my sister and I to see Jaws in the movie theater. One of my first memories of actual in the theater is Jaws. I saw the ocean for the first time at fourteen. Oh. And I discovered I can go into the ocean from the beach, but I discovered in Marseille, ten fifteen years ago, trying to get into the ocean from a boat, I can't do that. Oh, really? Because, because of Jaws? Because of Jaws. And I realize in the water like that, I can swim, mm-hmm. deep water's not a problem, but I feel menaced from all sides. So it's, it's a... Oh, interesting. It's a, yeah. it's a thing. It's a thing. I know this. So I know that I wouldn't want to be in that swell permanently where I don't have... But that's an interesting thing, talking about um, floating in space. Yeah. You know, but, but having your lifeline. Having your lifeline. There, there's definitely, Whereas, like, there's like metaphors going on. Yeah, here. absolutely. Well, also because in my, my personal life, I'm going through some similar metaphors. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, with my feet never touching the ground mm-hmm. and the lifelines being severed mm-hmm. and wondering, you know, what, what is that feeling like? And it's, I mean, it's, it's terrifying. Yeah. I don't I that's all I can say about it cuz I don't really know yet, you know, oh, but, but it's it's you, but it's an interesting because I'm so in this other space with 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 these ideas yep. and these concepts and these yep. feelings that I've completely forgotten about, you know, 
there's areas where you can put your feet on the ground right. or you can have a lifeline. Yep. So it's I'm still exploring what it feels like to not be tethered to anything at all. See, I know what you mean. When you do have these moments of the longer swells where you breathe in, uh-huh. it's really nice and you're like, okay, I can land on my feet. Right. I can do what it takes. Right. And I'm not I'm not just destroying everything. This is just a swell, maybe a larger swell than normal, but Right. Right. Which is important. Right. You know, I've always said I don't want to be like one of just a crazy <laughs> want to be free want to do things but want to bring it back right yeah 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 well yeah I mean isn't that what we try to do with creative with creativity you know in painting and poetry and writing and songs and dance I mean isn't the idea to be the explorer for all of us you know Mm -hmm. and then bring back what we found back to regular society you know that's the whole Jungian hero idea. Sure, yeah, exactly. You're supposed to go, the hero is, but he actually, the whole point is the hero goes and finds the treasure to bring it back. Right, yeah, they're not supposed to stay. They're not supposed to stay. And then, of course... <laughs> and spend it all. No, like, no. Well, and then I actually like the idea, and this is, you know, getting older and thinking about this, there's also the idea of, there's a, it's the arc, where the, mm-hmm. the hero is supposed to come back to become the king who gives to the people right. the, you know, the urban whatever. immortality or whatever it is, that, right. the, whatever the metaphor for the story is going to be, but then becomes a king and then the idea is then to leave the place for the next because if the king stays in its spot right. then he becomes the dragon that has to be taken down right so it's, like, it's that whole cycle of like so then the next part of the quest is to let go of you know as you work toward becoming the king the, 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 the farmer that becomes the king becomes the hero becomes the king and then he has to what he becomes the, the wise sage that can then transmit something mm-hmm. else right. and then to also yes to become the to become the um Ah, oh, what is it called? Not the wise sage. I mean, it is the wise sage, but it's also, it's the people, <clears throat> now I forget what the term is in writing, but um, the people who give you directions or advice along the way. Yep. You know, yeah. so there's a, there's the sage, there's the advisor, right. and then there's also people who just appear and they're like, take a left. Right. You know? That's where you need to go. Right. Right, right, right. You're like, I don't know. They appeared out of the woods and told me to go like... And so, yeah, moving into that, because that's something that I'm also... Mm. I've become a little conscious of. Is like, oh, now I'm this person. Mm. What an interesting thing. You know, Mm. now I'm the person where I can, like... It's not necessarily about giving advice, but it's about, like, there was... Someone was a signpost for me a long time ago, and it really helped me. Mm-hmm. And maybe I can be a signpost yep. for somebody. Which is a whole idea of transmission, which I think is a really yeah. important thing. It's also like letting go of ego in some ways. Yeah. Like, okay, because earlier in your 20s and your 30s, you're trying to affirm yourself, discover yourself, and right. learn who we are mm-hmm. with our, all the crap. And, right. the, you know, and we move forward, and it's like, uh, uh, with this idea of conquering the, the stages, uh-huh. which was also kind of whatever it is because part of life is like well you, you go towards something and then life comes along and like yanks yeah, the right, out yeah. from under you right. and you, that's part of the process but then assimilating that and then moving on it's like oh, wait a minute maybe I'm you know there's a moment to be like I'm going to do what I need to do I still have lots to do so like not necessarily not get the end of thing and like just stop right but being like oh but I can also give back I can also there's other people that are coming up and they've got their stuff that they're trying to figure out right and like when they're they're not in a place where they can give back right exactly yeah. so yeah that's an interesting it's an interesting kind of yeah. thought 
But it's also, I mean, going back, because we, we haven't talked very directly about your work at all, <laughs> but which is, I think is cool. But, I mean, like, what I know of your work, a lot of these themes are there, and I never really thought about that before. I mean, there's there's been periods where knights appear. Yep, I had... um, I'm looking at something that's inspiring you of, like, a cauldron with a fire. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely the owls, the animals, mm. the green men. I mean, all of these yeah. mythological creatures Sorry. that, you know, are living in this sort of twilight realm. Mm. It's all the... Yeah, which is sort of, you know, all these, like, little scenes from mm. a quest. Uh, my, my, yeah. my whole thing is, like, I'm actually... It's like I'm telling stories without trying to be a... They're like narrative pieces without a narration. They're right. like snippets of... So right. when I realized, was it four years ago, 2015, I realized I was kind of spinning, work on different things. I uh-huh. worked through a bunch of formal aspects of building. I was like, okay, I was wanting to do my nights. They were popping up, but I had refused to do them for a while because I didn't want to be doing just Game of Thrones, bad fantasy art right. kind of thing, right. which I was worried about even back in college. I was like, I don't want to be doing bad fantasy covers, right? But I love that stuff. But meanwhile, you're listening to like the Dungeons and Dragons podcast, right? (laughs) And I love all that stuff. So there was a moment in 2015, I was like, the knights are sneaking back in. It's like, Marcus, you want to be doing the knights. And it's really kind of stupid if you're like putting them away because you don't want to be doing kitschy fantasy stuff. But then you're trying to do art with a capital A. That's going to be just as kitschy. Yeah. So your your guts are wanting to do that. So like, just do it. I ended up taking, there was like for, this was like 2015, so for eight years then, this is, you know, this whole set of uh, screen captures from a Ingmar Bergman film, The Seven mm-hmm. Seal. Right. I'd seen it, I was like, I love this movie! Yeah. And I like, took a bunch of screenshots. And most of the screenshots I had figured out when I actually pulled out the file. I actually printed them out, thinking I'm going to work on them. Uh-huh. When I started really looking at them, almost all the images of the screenshots, some of them were the death figure, because that's the like, iconic image, uh-huh. the death playing chess. Right. But most of the images I had were the knight. Right. Love the night. I mean, that right. was the thing that I was drawn to, and that's even in the sketchbook. With a couple times I actually drawn from those images over time, mm-hmm. it almost always been the night. So I was like, okay, take these images, just work right. at them. And I said, you're just going to do a whole bunch of images. Don't worry about what you're going to get. Just you need to get them out. Yeah, yeah. And you need to do these images. And this, of course, you know, it's Ingmar Bergman, so you can always be like, you know, if you have to. Be intellectual a bit. It's Ingmar Bergman, right? Right, as opposed, to, as opposed to D&D. Right. right. But so, of course, D&D is now hip. So. Yeah, <laughs> but I, there was a way to kind of, okay, intellectual, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was fine. They gave me the entryway to do that. Right. In doing the series, then I was also bringing in other images. Because I, I did a first show with the, these images from the Seventh Seal. When I put the show up, I was like, oh... All these nights, and I was like, oh, this is a Fisher King and Percival. Which yeah. I realized, having done the pieces and actually showing them, I was like, oh, that's Percival Fisher King. So then I started right. researching that and the quest for the Grail. and So it was about three years. That was the main focus. Right, right. And basically, it's just, I, I need to find a thread to pull on for a while to see what I get. Owls came back during that because a couple paintings while I was working on the night, an owl would pop up for whatever reason. Right. And so when I kind of finished... What I needed to say at that moment, I hadn't finished it for good, but they said work through a cycle mm-hmm. where the I was the knight, and then I shifted. There was a breakup, and I realized, okay, now I'm going to be the Fisher King. And I was like, I don't want to be the Fisher King. I want to be the knight. Right. And I actually was 
my ex at the time was like, well, you were trying to be the knight. And I was like, ah. Oh. So there was a whole discussion about that. And I realized, right. well, let me just be the Fisher King. And of course, once you accept those kind of things, when you start digging mm-hmm. around, I was like, wait, I didn't, I didn't want to be the Fisher King. You know, he's the, the wounded king, right? Right. But then it, when I started doing the series, kind of thinking about it and doing some drawings, I was like, well, wait, he's the one that's got the grail the whole time. Yeah, well, isn't it funny what we think, like, when we think of the, the, uh, these, these, um, kind of prototypes that exactly. we, that we don't want to identify with. Right, right, but, but, but then when we actually go, like, do a little more research, we're like, oh, oh, actually. Actually. That's cool. Else. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, but, yeah, I mean, when it's, it's I'm also, like, because I think we also sometimes work from layers of understanding that come from when we're younger and it's yep. all about ego like oh, I don't want to be that guy uh, exactly. meanwhile you're heading towards that guy your whole life <laughs> exactly right exactly. and it's but it's not until you're older and more mature and ready to look into it a little more right. deeper to say oh there's something more there and that's a good thing to be yeah. I Wait. could see it but I didn't understand right. it well that's it's kind of funny because that's, that's why I like one of the reasons why I like staying with figure I like to draw but having figurative elements without just trying to do like mm-hmm. let me just fa- do a scene because of what it can, it, you can hook these things onto right. the image more right. easily. But um, doing the night series when I started, so I'm like painting nights, and there was one night, because um, a lot of times when I'm working on an idea, there's other side stuff that often ends up being more interesting because I'm not actually focused on it. Sure. It's like there's little spurts that right, happen. Right, 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 right. And I did a self portrait image, working uh-huh. on some other ideas. Of... Anyway, did the self portrait, and while I was trying to finish. This self-portrait, uh-huh. uh, and the basic idea was I was doing like spirograph energy underneath right. that I was drawing onto, and not trying to draw too tight, but it still mm-hmm. was, it was self-portrait. And then I realized, and I saw the costume of the knight from the Ingmar Bergman film mm-hmm. on that painting, and basically painted itself. As soon as I said, "Okay, you're going to do this," right. I basically, literally, you know, putting on the costume of the knight, literally right. in a painting. Right. And as soon as I said, okay, Marcus, the whole point of this night series is let yourself do this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Take responsibility. You just do it. It painted itself. It's like, right. two in the morning. It just happened. Mm-hmm. And that when action became in the show, the first show around this, it was like, identification was the title of that piece because it was like okay yes I am the knight and let me just say it because let <laughs> right, right. me just say it before you say it right <laughs> right and that's what opened the door to be like okay well actually this is also about Fisher King the the Percival so I started looking at the Percival so another year I was Percival I'm looking at that like okay I'm on mm-hmm. a quest for meaning what does that mean da, 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 da. and then with the next layer, which was after a breakup and suddenly my ex got to be the knight. Because I was mm-hmm. like, well, damn it, you can be a knight. Right. Which means I have to be the Fisher King. And then that left on always, wait, the Fisher King, because he's wounded. Okay, that, that's what life does. But right. The whole point is he's got, you know, and this is, you don't figure this he's stuff out. He's got the thing that, I mean, it's a bit. He's got the source of what everyone's he's wanting. He's got the thing the whole time. The whole time. Right? I mean, but don't we all? I right. mean, isn't exactly. that really the quest? The right. quest is to, is to take you to yourself. To take you to yourself. To understand that you have it, you've had it the whole time. So. You just couldn't recognize it. You just couldn't it. recognize it. So that was kind of a lovely demonstration of that. Of the, yeah. the, the three years. And then, then I like, boom, stop. Okay, I finished this sequence this mm-hmm. cycle and I was like what am I going to work on I was like oh, I figure I'm going to do the, the owls where it popped up so let me just see what this is so I did a whole series of that and people were like what's that mean I was like I know the owl has something to do about seeing in the dark mm-hmm. well they became like a light in the dark kind of thing and, so, right. and then as I was working 
the knight figure kind of came back but superimposed with the owl and I was like okay now we're getting to shaman stuff which I'd had before oh interesting yeah Yeah. so the knight yeah. suddenly is, is the whole thing about the knight that I've been mm-hmm. working on the knight actually becomes the shaman because it's the transformation right so right. anyway but yeah, I mean, I mean that's what it is as well, isn't it? Transformation. Transformation and like letting things kind of shift. Yeah. And play so. Yeah. Kind of scratch here, scratch there. With with experience, age, wisdom. There's an idea for me with like in the creative process, the whole doubt thing, is realizing that is the creative process. The it's doubt. Not, it's not getting to the breakthroughs. Not like like okay, I know how you doubt. I know what I'm doing. No. When you get to the, if you know what you're doing, that means you're not doing enough. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, just keep yeah. on keeping on, right? Yeah. Keep on. Yeah. Scritching away at stuff. What are the roots that clutch? What branches grow out of this stony rubbish? Son of man, you cannot say or guess, for you know only a heap of broken images where the sun beats and the dead tree gives no shelter, the cricket no relief, and the dry stone no sound of water, only there is shadow under this red rock. Come in under the shadow of this red rock, and I will show you something different from either your shadow at morning striding behind you or your shadow at evening rising to meet you. I will show you fear in a handful of dust. Frischway Devint, der Heimat zu, mein irisch Kind. You can view Marcus's work and find out about his upcoming exhibitions in Europe and the U.S. at his website, www.marcusmcallister.com. That's M-A-R-C-U-S-M-C-A-L-L-I-S-T-E-R.com. Be sure to follow his Tumblr, and to keep up to date on Marcus's Paris studio events, follow him on Facebook at Artwork of Marcus McAllister. Audio track used in this episode is a recording of the actor Jeremy Lyons reading from T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland, used under Creative Commons. The Artipist Salon is a quarterly event. Follow us on Facebook for news of the next one. If you'd like to listen to previous seasons of Artipis and support the show, visit artipus.com. That's A-R-T-I-P-O-E-U-S dot com. And click on the donate button. Your help helps us create more art you can hear. I'm Susie Colick, and you've been listening to Artipus, art you can hear. Artipus is produced in Berlin for Zynga Network, and you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify under Zynga Network. Just search for S-I-N-G-E Network. Artipus is also broadcast in France exclusively on World Radio Paris. WRP on your DAB dial.
I'm Susie Colick, and you've been listening to Artipus, art you can hear. You've been listening to Artipus, produced and edited in Berlin by Susie Colick, with original theme music by Hotlegs for the Zinga Network. S-I-N-G-E-Network.com. <laughs>